Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Hi. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive into shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Margot Poupard. And I'm one of your other hosts, Emily Beijin. And we are back, back, back again to talk about Hollywood it girls of days past. I have always been fascinated by the Hollywood it girl phenomenon, mostly because I've never seen it translate into something positive, similar to if you win a Best Actress Oscar, like your career is immediately doomed. Just ask Jennifer Lawrence and her Amazon wedding registry. Oh my god, I saw that. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. I feel like every time someone gets dubbed the it girl, it just ends up being a curse for the rest of their career if if they are an actor, actress or singer. It's a weight too heavy to bear. I mean, sort of a little bit in the same vein though, but like being, you know, like a hot girl and being on... R.I.P. FHM magazine covers or even featured like in Playboy. It used to cause your career to be slightly derailed, especially if it was coupled with you being labeled a party girl, which undoubtedly those things all kind of play in together. For sure. It is sort of a career curse (laughs) that comes with being dubbed an it girl, whether officially or unofficially. Because I feel like the people that I thought were it girls were maybe not that. I don't know. Did did you, besides Paris Hilton, did you have a clear idea of who you thought was definitely an it girl and then was surprised that they weren't? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big ones that I'll talk about later was was um, Shannon Elizabeth, who was really big for a while. But I, you know, I for I think part of it for me was also realizing how short some of these careers were, at least the heyday of their careers. So like a Shannon Elizabeth, or looking back at a Sienna Miller, who. I assumed had been in several big movies before Jude Law, dating Jude Law and becoming notorious for that. But in fact, really, Alfie was the only movie, and that was the movie where she, in fact, met Jude Law. So that, I think for me, was the most interesting thing was, like, how quickly they became It Girls after one role or one notorious thing happening, and then how quickly they kind of fell out of that. 
Yeah, I think high-profile coupling is part of also being an it girl because they all have these, like, terrible relationships with dickheads like Winona Ryder and Johnny Depp and that kind of stuff, like, yeah. fuels their infamy at the time. And sometimes they're able to bounce back. But the it girls that we're going to be talking about today, I don't know if bounce back is, like, the right term. I mean, they turned out fine where I don't think anything gets too – well, Tinsley Mortimer gets a little bit dark, but – and so does Tara Reid, obviously, if you – know anything about shark nato on sci-fi but it girls are an interesting breed of people this is also why i want to do an iconic coupling episode because i think it's important because i think <laughs> yeah i think so much of uh having a, a high profile relationship um kind of helps you parlay that or can help you parlay that into being like a socialite or like known or nowadays known for like doing nothing or being like an influencer you're or as I like to say a Hailey Bieber you're definitely part of a set there and the moment you know you break up one of you may remain famous but it's highly unlikely the two will be quite the same it's sort of like being married to Tom Cruise yeah <laughs> So how do you want to do this? We have a couple of socialites, a couple American Pie breakout actresses, and a couple of women with British accents. Well, sort of a little less so with me, but, you know, she was born in the UK, so we're going to call it <laughs> the same thing. The same thing. I think you should you should go first. I think yours is one of the, the more interesting ones for sure. Well, instead of... I zigged when I could have zagged, meaning I could have picked Paris Hilton, who is an L.A. native, who I also followed very closely from watching her sex tape to seeing her walk down Robertson Avenue in front of a Kitson. But I decided to zig and pick Tinsley Mortimer as my socialite because I have grown to have a little bit of an affection for her based on her appearance currently on The Real Housewives of New York. She is Matins, and before having a mugshot or appearing on Housewives, she was once one of the most photographed women in New York. She seemed to have everything to a certain set of people who thought that these sort of things were important, such as an important name, having your picture everywhere, having a budding career as like a fashion socialite and also like a possible side reality show because as like rich girls taught us and a couple of other reality shows that'll spurt up like around this time of like 2003 to 2005 that are all like based around one personality. Yeah. This sort of like came hand in hand with becoming a socialite. But her peak and how popular she was and how just how she had like so much going for her at the peak of her career really explains her state of arrested development currently and if you watch Real Housewives of New York you know because she has like these like big Peter Pan collars and she just seems sort of childlike in her wonderment and also in her dress and like she also hasn't really cut her hair in like 10 years she cut it like a little bit and that was like a huge deal to her but I love Matin's I think she's a really funny, self-deprecating person, but finding out some of this background was definitely very interesting, and she's been very candid on the show about it, so I kind of half knew some of this, but it flushes out like a full person. Um, Her demise is almost just as interesting as her rise, because after she splits up from her high school sweetheart, Topper Mortimer, whose name I I will never get over, I think Topper Mortimer is like peak wasp, like your name is like Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. Buffy Norman Rockwell painting like it just is so like white America waspy I go to a country club it's amazing 
But after her divorce, she was sort of, like, humiliated because that was coupled with, like, a bad reality show turn. So she went down to Palm Beach to start over. And we started hearing a whole lot less from our tins until 2016 when she resurfaced in a mugshot after being arrested in front of the home of her then-boyfriend, Nico Fonjul. And she talks about this a lot on the show. And she references it, like, it's sort of an endearing way as, like, you know, her second wind of fame. But... We'll get to why it's a little bit sadder as we progress down, but let's start at the beginning. Tinsley was born into money in Richmond, Virginia. Her father, George Riley Mercer Jr., is was a wealthy real estate investor, and her fabulous mother, Dale Mercer, who was nay Tatum. I don't think she has any relation to Channing. No. But I was going to make a comment. The Mercer, that's an old Virginia name. Like, there was a Mercer Hall on my college campus, and a lot of Virginia schools have Mercer. So it's like one of the first FFVs, what they call them, first families of Virginia. Yes. Sorry, definitely. No, no, no. De- it's definitely that because her paternal grandfather was George Riley Mercer Sr., and he founded the Mercer Reg cleansing in 1936 and I think that was part of like the first Virginians like had a small business and anyway they come from old money and Dale is an interior decorator Tinsley has a younger sister whose name is fucking Dabney which I will never get over Dabney, I don't know. There were a lot, but like, is again, that like a yes? It's a south, a, a southerny. Southern. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely, maybe not in my college, but like, I definitely knew of girls named Dabney and Tinsley, and like, these are very kind of waspy, especially southern names. Well, I mean, if she's married to someone named Topper, of course, her sister's name is gonna be fucking Dabney. And a lot of people are named after, like, uh, you know, if it's the ma- like first son of the family, he has his um, mom's maiden name as his first name. Um, oh, oftentimes, yeah. Oftentimes, like, the daughters will have, like, a family name as their middle name, but they go by that or that's their first name. But I knew plenty of people with, like, very what you could call androgynous names. Like, if you saw it on a business card, you would think that could be a guy or a girl. Right, like. Their name is Blake, and yeah. it could be a guy or a girl, but it's a family name, so you need to have it. Tinsley attended the Lawrenceville School, where she met her future ex-husband, Topper Mortimer. Yeah. She went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill as a freshman, but then shortly dropped out to attend Columbia. While waiting to be accepted into Columbia, she worked as a volunteer for a year in D.C. at Habitat for Humanity, and that's sort of the beginning of her philanthropic work. She's on the board of a lot of charities, sort of has been. That obviously goes hand-in-hand with being an it girl slash socialite. She graduated from Columbia with a B.A. in art history, which she talks about often on the show. And this I didn't know, later obtained a master's degree in decorative arts from Cooper Hewitt Design Museum. Ah. Yeah, I had no idea. She always talks about going to Columbia as people think that she's, like, dumb or, like, a, you know, kind of like a clueless idiot, which she's not. No. But so she always cites that she went to Columbia. But I didn't know that she had a master's, which is really impressive. That's really good. And I actually didn't know that she had majored in art history. Her old money husband, Topper, his father has founding roots in addition to his great-grandfather was the president of Standard Oil. And in her first season on Roni, Real Housewives of New York, sorry to keep citing it, it's just, you know, these things all come together as part of the old old millennial cinematic universe. I forget where they were walking on probably the Upper West Side where she pointed out some building. She's like, oh, yeah, Topper's family owns that because it belongs to Standard Oil. And they also have this monument over there. And she was sort of, you know, again, doing her Arrested Development bit. But it was an interesting little walking tour tidbit because I hadn't realized how 
old money, Topper's old money, really was. Yeah. He and Tinsley eloped when they were 18. They also got matching tattoos. They thought getting eloped, they, according to her talking head on Real Housewives, she said that they were inspired by an episode of, I believe it's Beverly Hills 90210, of to get, a, like, to get eloped. They thought it was going to be, like, super romantic. And when they got back, their parents forced them to annul and... Topper had to go to Aruba to do so, which is like totally waspy oh first world problems. <laughs> I was like, there, it doesn't really where, get any more is, is than that. that. Where the family bank account is also located? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, clearly they eloped without yeah. any sort of prenup, and the parents were nervous. And anyway, they later married again in Richmond, Virginia, in 2002. This time with a proper New York Times wedding announcement, just mm. as Tinsley would have wanted. Designer and author Steve Stolman suggests that Mortimer is the last real celebutante. At the time, Mortimer was working for Harrison and Schriftman as an events planner, which she talks about. And she'd also been previously a beauty assistant at Vogue. She wanted to quit her job and become a socialite, so she enlisted the help of R. Corey Hay, who is a society publicist. And he recalls that she was just sort of like a fun gal about town with good style and could be a model but was like maybe not tall enough. But she wanted to be – she could be running in the same circle as like designers and could plug their products and be somebody that could sit in the front row and have it be sort of like a big deal that she was there. Tinsley also idolized and wanted to emulate a similar career to Tori Burch, which I thought was really interesting. I guess at the time, everybody really wanted to be like Tori Burch because she had parlayed being attractive and going to parties and being around social circles or social fashion circles into an actual job worth tons of money. Mm-hmm. And I guess at the, the time, everybody kind of wanted to have like an accessories line that could turn into a billion dollar empire simply because they were known for going about and having good taste, which would now be an influencer. The irony in that is that Tori Birch and her husband, Christopher Birch, I believe is his name, had a very tumultuous divorce to the point where he created a line called Sea Wonder that mimicked the Tori Birch style and they sold things at a much cheaper price and they like quickly went out of business and within three years, but it was mostly done as like a fuck you to Tory Burch. This sounds vaguely familiar. There are so many like interesting East Coast feuds. I got kind of sucked up into a really old The Cut article that started out about a feud between Olivia Palermo and Tinsley trying to outrank each other on the socialite rank website and all of like their weird dirty tricks and like not not inviting people to certain book events and like launches of things to sort of like fuck with the other person's socialite rank but then through there there were also like weird new york feuds that i was like oh yeah i remember hearing like dribs and drabs of that but wasn't invested enough to fully look into it there was definitely a small extension of that in dc it wasn't nowhere near as bad as like new york because new york is new york But D.C. definitely had that with a few 20-somethings in, like, the late, you know, 2000s. This was still, like, Bush was in office and stuff. But there was definitely kind of a social... There was this infamous website called Late Night Shots, which was, like, a precursor to Facebook, but was strictly for, like, mostly wealthy, popular Georgetown, uh, popular people who went to this one bar called Smith Point, mostly Republican. <laughs> and it was just, like, there were rankings on that site and, like, recaps of, like, what was had happened, and, like, there was a huge expose on the site, and then it, like, shut down a few years later. But it was definitely similar to Socialite Rank, but probably, like, a small small like iota of what 
Socialite rank was. Well, by the uh, nicheness of DC, it kind of has to be where I think like New York is like a pretty big socialite scene. Yeah. But within no time, Tinsley was getting a taste of the gold standard of social success because she was a bubbly young blonde with good style and was very care. I mean, she still is very charismatic. Uh, she was photographed constantly in the front row of fashion shows at a time where sitting in the front row wasn't done by non-editors and buyers and people in the fashion industry. Like, celebrities were just starting to creep into the front row. In 2007, she became a beauty ambassador for Dior, and they released a pink gloss named after her. She designed a handbag for the line Samantha the Vasa, which was so huge in in Japan, her face was on billboards all over Tokyo. This comes up with the Hiltons as well. Both of them did lines. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I she was just like a celebrity bag. Yeah, it was a Japanese line. Interesting. Do Do you know if they sold them in the states? I think it was strictly in Japan. Interesting. Okay. Well, they're really, really, really into fashion, so it makes sense. And she alludes to being really successful in Japan on the show all the time, similar to Heidi Montag. She had a clothing collection and a cameo on Gossip Girl, which was long rumored to be about her experience at her bougie boarding school. And then eventually, she scored a starring role on her own CW reality show called High Society. I remember watching a clip from that first episode where her mom was, like, very concerned that she was living, I think it was, like, the upper the lower upper west side instead of the upper east side or something like that like that was some really concerning thing to dale well dale always has <laughs> concerns about tinsley let me tell you about this mint julep but um she now has concerns over tinsley's eggs in an amazing emmy worthy performance her and her mother on Real Housewives go to try on wedding dresses even though Tinsley is not engaged but has a boyfriend, but they've only just started dating. And then in the middle of trying on wedding dresses, she gets a call from her fertility doctor and he shows her pictures of her eggs, not embryos, just eggs, on the phone. So it was like a really grainy like FaceTime like back camera situation. Wow. And her and her mother burst into tears. Wow. Truly, hands down, top 10 best Real Housewives moment. Iconic, <laughs> along with, like, their just hands that I would use if I were an actor trying to give a monologue for an audition. I would use that from Leanne, Real Housewives of Dallas. But that was one of the funniest and the most amazing things. Like, she very clearly does not care what she looks like. But at a time when she did care what she looked like, she would look back on this point in her life where she agreed to do high society and see it as the beginning of the end because the sort of popularity that she enjoys is truly the thing that only lasts 15 minutes every single time. The death knell of Tinsley's high society ride would be called High Society, created by Andrew Glassman and Mike Ayo, and it only aired for one season in 2010 and followed the quote-unquote Park Avenue princess, or at least that's what she was calling herself while on the show, and her friends as they like terrorized the city and hurled insults at each other. I remember them all being very mean and biting to each other. This was also around the time that Tinsley and Topper were in the middle of a divorce, and her participation reportedly caused her to lose a lot of elusive social status, in addition to the divorce, which was already going to kind of ding her. This kind of added another layer on top of it. High Society starred a lot of her friends that were in uh, good social standing, allegedly, including Jules Kirby, 
who was best known for saying the N-word on the show and basically getting it canceled. Jules Kirby, the daughter of a successful lawyer, also lived with her sister Dabney at the Empire Hotel before being evicted for abusive behavior towards hotel staff. So, obviously, there was, like, a precursor to her just, like, spouting off and, like, saying insane racist shit on TV and then not apologizing for it. So, no one's really heard from her since. Uh, High Society was originally scheduled to air every Wednesday at 9 after America's Next Top Model, but due to low ratings, the network decided to push it back a half hour after Fly Girls and then eventually canceled it. Uh, During this time, she was getting divorced from her beloved high school sweetheart and old money man, Topper. As it turns out, Topper had always been very skeptical of Tinsley's desire to be famous. He once said, quote, It's not necessarily the type of goal that anybody should have or strive for going out every night for the sake of self-promotion and getting their pictures taken. He told the New York Times that in 2007 after their divorce. Tinsley's dating life slash rumors about her dating life started to kind of take off around this time as well. She rebounded with a European aristocrat, Germany's Casimir or Cassie Wittgenstein Sayin, who she was also rumored to have had cheated on Topper with. She also would later date American Idol star Constantine Margolis. Wow. I know. I, like, wow. freaked out at that. that. That hit two of the id girl bingo. One, European aristocrat. aristocrat. Two, Greek or of Greek descent boyfriend. Yeah, he's German, but um, she. Constantine. But then she. Oh yes, and then she also <laughs> dates an oil heir, which I think is also part of it. Oh, Girl yeah. Bingo. Yep. Which I will get to in just a second. Then her life becomes a subplot from Some Like It Hot when she meets a sketchy oil heir in Palm Beach. She starts dating sugarcane heir slash oil heir Nico Fanjul, who's a decade younger than Tinsley. He lives in Palm Beach full time, but then spends three years studying for an insurance license exam. Says. <laughs> some source in some publication. I believe it was Town and Country magazine that, that I was sketchy. reading. That's why I said he's a sketchy oil heir. Their relationship was mostly kept a secret because Fenjul's parents reportedly did not approve of her. But they will go on to have a very volatile off and on relationship. All told, police were called five times between December of 2013 and April 2016, at one point resulting in her infamous mugshot. And then they eventually, thankfully, broke up. In July of 2010, Mortimer was featured with her mother, Dale, on the Phil, on the Dr. Phil show to discuss her divorce and her terrible, tumultuous relationship and her differences with her mother and how they all play together because she definitely has some mommy issues. Other ventures that, like any good it girl, should get into at the height of your popularity include but are not limited to. In 2013, Tinsley wrote a book called Southern Charm, which follows Minty Davenport from South Carolina to New York, where she's the victim of rumors. In 2014, she launched a home collection manufactured by Pop Culture Living, and so she has curated collections and also home accessories as a part of this home collection that she launched, which she still currently has. And she also currently has her own line of housewares sold at Bed Bath & Beyond and Wayfair. In 2017, Tinsley joined the cast of Roni, Real Houses of New York, uh, for the show's ninth season, and she is a current contributor to Town & Country magazine, which I found to be very interesting. I like Tinsley. I think that she's really kind of uh, acquitted herself quite nicely after having a terrible relationship down in Palm Beach and dealing with the sketchy oil air, and now she's back in New York, and she's on this show, and I feel like she's really endeared herself. And this is kind of like the reality show turn she deserved in the first place. 
Well, good for Tinsley. Yeah, I mean, she lives in a long-term hotel. Like, she's fucking grown-up Eloise, which, again, feeds into this arrested development theory that I have about her. But she's, again, yeah, again, she's just so endearing, though. To tie it to another Real Housewives connection, because... uh, Kathy and Richard, uh, Kyle Richards and Kim. Kim, yeah. I decided to do a lot of research on Paris and Nikki Hilton. Much more so Paris than Nikki, because... If you compare Paris and Nikki's Wikipedia pages, Nikki's not that interesting, I tried no, to tell you. I no, mean, I summarized her after the, the Vanity Fair um, article, which, like, put them on the map, really. I will mostly go into Paris's life and then have a meanwhile with Nikki and go into, like, six bullet points. Doing Chuck E. Cheese spawn on Instagram. Good for her. You know what? Someone's got to do it. Really? Some uh, probably not though. But like, good God, she's married to a Rothschild. Like, I, I know like... you don't need the money. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. Uh, she's like, I mean, of all people to do it, like, because I think Paris, you know, is still very much tied to the Hilton world and all that. But Paris doesn't give a shit about that. I feel like with Nikki, at least though, because she married a Rothschild and kind of stayed out of that spotlight for most of it, she would at least never touch something like Chuck E. Cheese spawn con, but. 2019 brings out the crazy in all of us. Here we are, though. Here we fucking are. So, Paris and Nikki Hilton, uh, to give you some background, they are the daughters of Rick and Kathy Hilton. Kathy, of course, was born originally Kathy Avanzino and later became Kathy Richards when her mom married her stepdad. She is the half-sister of Real of Housewives of Beverly Hills famed stars Kim and Kyle Richards, who are both former child stars, like their sister Kathy. So Kathy was an actress who retired from acting in 1979 when she was, I believe, around 20 years old. In high school, when she was 15, she met Rick, who was 19, and then she gets married to him in 1979, so she was like 20 years old. Wow. Yep. And then two years later, they will begin to start having kids. So Paris was born in 1981. Nikki was born in 1983. And then they had two sons, Baron in 1989 and Conrad in 1994. So by the time they're in their 30s, they've had four kids. Yikes. Paris and Nikki are, of course, the great-granddaughters of Conrad Hilton, who is the founder or was the founder of Hilton Hotel, and who ended up buying the Waldorf Astoria, ended up buying a lot of the most famous properties around the world. So needless to say, they had a lot of money. And still, they did not grow up super famous. They're friends until their teen years. Um, and Paris's friends growing up included Bijou Phillips, daughter of John Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, Ivanka Trump, who is daughter of Archito. Who sucks. Who sucks. <laughs> Who's a sucky bitch. I, I like that on Call Your Girlfriend, that podcast, they I think they refer to him, uh, to Donald Trump as Ivanka's dad. Which I appreciate. And then, who else? Kidada Jones, daughter of Quincy Jones. Brent Shapiro, daughter of... Sister to Rashida. Sister to Rashida. Brent Shapiro, son of Robert Shapiro of the O.J. Simpson trial. And Kim Kardashian, daughter of Robert. She went to Campbell... She went to Campbell Hall, right? No. So she, fun fact, I thought she did too. She went to some other schools in LA, but when she's about 13, the Hiltons will move from LA to New York because um, their dad, Rick Hilton, starts being in charge of one of the um, groups within Hilton. Okay. And so with that becomes, she starts, when she's 13, she starts like going out to the clubs. And so she, they moved around during her childhood and adolescence, and she actually was living in a lot of the family hotels at certain points. 
So Paris ends up dropping out of high school. So she transferred quite a few times. I think she went to the professional children's school at one point. But the final school she goes to is the Dwight School on the Upper West Side. And she ends up leaving and getting her GED. By the way, the Vanity article, the Vanity Fair article that put them on the map had this amazing anecdote about the Dwight School that certain Manhattan private school kids would joke that Dwight was an acronym for, quote, dumb white idiots getting high together, <laughs> which I thought was great. So she earns her D GED, which in this article, Kathy claims was because she had a stalker situation and that it also caused them to live in the Astoria Towers because of the security situation there was much better than them living in a regular apartment building. So I don't know if that's true or not, but whatever. So anyway, Paris starts going to the clubs at around 13 and like, Jesus well, Christ. And according to one anecdote says, you know, started going when she was 13, telling the bouncer she was 22 and they believed her, which they probably didn't, but they know who she was. Nikki will graduate Condiment of the Sacred Heart in the Upper West Side and starts taking classes at FIT and Parsons, but never graduates. Their big breakthrough through of course comes when one Paris signs to Donald Trump's modeling agency team management in 2000. Ew, I forgot I he had that. Yeah, and the Ew. Miss USA pageant. Like, well, I mean, I remember that. that yeah. Because that's also been like a topic of interesting conversation. But I forgot he had that model. I know. I know. So the sisters later agree to be, after Paris and Nikki get featured a lot in Page Six and various other New York gossip publications, most notably because Paris is rumored to be dating Leonardo DiCaprio and has been seen with him, the sisters agree to be in a feature story in Vanity Fair written by Nancy Jo Sales. And it, Nancy Jo, it's Alexis Nears calling! <laughs> and it's also accompanied by a fashion spread shot by none other than David LaChapelle, ding, 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 old millennial cinematic universe bingo. Because we go back to Britney? Britney, our 1999 episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, he is everywhere. He's everywhere. He, in the September 2000 issue of Vanity Fair magazine, this article and this photo shoot air, and they're really kind of what you'd say are scantily clad. Paris, I think, in one of the pictures is wearing, like, a see-through top so you can see her boobs. And this was pretty controversial because, one, you know, they were trying to portray this, like, very familial, we're good girls, we're just teenagers life um, by interviewing them initially at their parents home in the Hamptons where they're just having lunch and they're talking and they're just like normal teenagers who are like oh, mom and dad rolling their eyes at them but then you see the contrast of them going to a rock aware launch party at the Hamptons later that night where they're like dancing on tables and stuff so it becomes infamous because you know these girls Paris at the time I believe was 19 and Nikki was 16 and they were at these events clearly partying and uh, in this article, they also claim that they have a supposed rivalry with the, is it the Schnabel sisters? Like Julian Schnabel, the artist Julian Schnabel's daughters, Stella and Lola. She, Paris, decides, puts to rest the rumors about dating Leo, that they've just seen each other at parties, but nothing's happened. And friends from L.A. were saying that Paris started going out when she was 13, claiming she was 22 and getting away with it. One of my favorite highlights from this article is when Nancy Jo Sales asks Nikki what, her, what kind of music she likes, and she just says, hold. So Nikki, the <laughs> more rebellious, rebellious, uh, Courtney-loving sister turned Rothschild. <laughs> the only one that finished high school. Yes. <laughs> 
they then become well known in the public eye because of this article, because of these New York or sorry, page six articles, and they become the frequent topic of several other gossip magazines. In 2003, Paris and Nikki are still famous as sisters. In 2003, Paris and Nikki are still famous as a set as sisters, but Paris's life begins to become even more famous when she and Nicole Richie go on to star in The Simple Life, a reality show where they lived for a month in rural Arkansas with a small town family. This show will premiere in December of 2003. And this is, of course, infamously where Paris asks what a Walmart is and proceeds to follow that up with, quote, is that where they sell walls? The first episode would go on to garner 13 million views and become one of the highest rated shows on Fox for the 18 to 49 demographic. It is shortly thereafter when Paris Hilton's infamous sex tape is released. This happens in early 2004, and it's Rick Salomon, the guy in the video, Paris Hilton's ex-boyfriend, who releases the video without her consent, titled One Night in Paris. He's the one that gave Pam Anderson, like, hep C, right? Yeah, and then he, he was with Shannon, Shannon Doherty at one point. They were engaged. He and Pamela Anderson were together, like... He's, he's like a scammer. He's a scammer slash poker player. That's that's poker what he is player. famous for, but got a lot of ladies for about a 10-year period. Well, I guess if magicians can do it, he can too. He can too. So this film, One Night in Paris, is released in 2004. Film! Film, excuse me. Film! Oh my god. It's cinema. Night vision can be I mean, cinema. I had <laughs> I had the cinematic poster in my room because there was a video rental store not too far away from my apartment building and they always had posters when they were done with like a movies like new right. release they would just give it to you they had it like out on a table and so I just took one and I thought it was funny and I had it in my room for the longest time without ever watching it and then I eventually did watch it but couldn't really tell what was happening so I turned it off like halfway through I mean, it's just a lot of night vision. It's, it's probably so the much night vision. Sex tape. I'm not a sex tape connoisseur, but from no. the footage that I have seen, I would prefer is... a Tommy Lee Pam Anderson one if we're that, like on the topic. I mean, that's cinematography right there in comparison. It's also broad fucking daylight on a it's goddamn broad boat. Day, you can see things. You can see Tommy Lee's giant dick. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, so in response to Rick Salomon releasing this video, which was of them having sex in 2001, and is mostly shot using night vision, she states publicly that she was, quote, out of it, and she didn't know what she was doing during the taping of the video and did not approve of its public release. Yikes, yikes, yikes. In response, Rick Salomon sued Paris Hilton for defamation, because fuck him, and then she countersued him over the release of the tape, Settling out of court in July of 2005. According to these reports, she was awarded $400,000 and planned to donate a percentage to charity. They So Salomon and Red Light District Video, because of course that's the name of the video company that put this out, agreed to pay Couldn't even money. get Vivid to do it? Uh, seriously. What a sham. She They agreed to pay her the $400,000 plus a percentage of the tape's sale profit. Oh, right. I remember that was a big deal when that happened. Right. And then, in, in retrospect, I think back then people were quick to dismiss her and, like, be really mean. And this is a common theme with Paris Hilton's life. She is, of course, someone who very did a made a lot of money perpetuating a dumb blonde stereotype. But for her, you will later hear the kind of money this woman rakes in every year. Oh, yeah. She is very smart. She's very savvy. She has learned how to play the cards right. 
and has done very well for herself and does not need to touch her family's money. Like she And to keep self- this all in the Real Housewives universe, she is very rich, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> so she will parlay this fame to her advantage and uses that, st- that along with her reality show stardom um, to t- her advantage and starts a lifestyle brand in 2004. I'll go more into this later, but this is going to include perfumes, clothing, a handbag line with Samantha Tavasso because that's what she has like does. hair I remember she had hair extensions I'll go into it more I have a list of the various things that were included in her fashion empire it's during this time she will also go on to co-write her autobiography with Merle Ginsburg titled <gasps> Merle Ginsburg yes confessions of an heiress a tongue-in-cheek peek behind the pose oh my god it was number seven on the New York Times bestsellers list. Of course. She will also go on to make appearances on many shows, including Veronica Mars, The O.C., George Lopez, and Las Vegas. George and Lopez. I know. What it's a credit. 2005, Margo. No, I know. I just find it to be funny that this is like a, a, a notable credit. Oh, yeah. And will later appear in the movie House of Wax. And also Hottie and the Naughty. Which we'll talk about later. That So she, of course, for House of Wax. It earns her a Teen Choice Award for Best Scream of, and the 2005 Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress. <laughs> she also received a nomination for Best Frightened Performance at the 2006 MTV Movie Awards. Okay, what a dumb fuck of, category. What a category. It just makes me think of um, Tobias and <clears throat> Arrested Development for playing the role of Frightened Inmate. Mate number two. two. Yeah. The movie, House of Wax, will gross over $70 million worldwide, which I was very surprised. I forgot, like... Okay, I I saw House of Wax in theaters, and it was packed when we went. I... I remember hearing that people cheered when she died. Yes, because she died in a funny way. So first she gets her Achilles tendon snipped through a grate, which is disgusting and hard to to look at. And then she later gets speared in the head with what something that you wouldn't think could spear a person, but it has to go through a windshield of a car first. Ah. She just died in like a really dumb way. And then also that was the movie where Chad Michael Murray cheated on Sophia Bush with Paris Hilton. With Paris Hilton. Yeah, that is also around the time that one of the Mission Impossible movies came out. And this is when everyone hated Tom Cruise because of Scientology. Yeah. And, and also, to be, sorry, to be fair to Paris Hilton about House of so circle back really quick. Yeah. A lot of people laughed at a lot of the deaths because it was really silly. It's a silly movie. And it's not just Paris Hilton. Yeah, it that wasn't was just her. She That's just good. happens to be, like, one of the first ones to die. Right. And, I mean, I think at the time people were just laughing at the fact that she was acting. Well, she was also, you know, at Jessica Simpson level peak saturation where people were also sort of like sick of her for sure and this is around the time that tom cruise like i was saying there's a mission impossible movie where i don't think he dies if i remember i I saw it years ago but he like he was the third one yeah he's like severely injured or something but people were cheering when i saw it and i and i think it's because of the the scientology backlash because this was when like it was peak tom cruise talking about it in the media I think over time he's laid off of that Tropic Thunder and various things happen where now we, we like Tom Cruise again. But, right, yeah. But back then that was like peak. We're sick of hearing about Scientology. So after House of Wax, um, she will go on to release her album Paris in October of 2006, which still includes several bops that Margot and I were listening to earlier, including the hit Stars Are Blind. Still a bop. Still so really great. good. Screwed, which I loved. Um, I had a roommate in college who played it all the time. And Nothing in This World, 
all good songs. The album will go on to sell 600,000 copies and it peaked at number six in the Billboard 200 when it was first released. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Like, again, and this is like peak iTunes. She was was smart, though. She made club music because that's where she spent a lot of time. So she just knew what would sell well. She knew she wasn't a Christina Aguilera. And she's not trying to be. And she knows that she can't dance. She's not a Britney. She was just, she went for what she could go for. Which was a club record. Which was auto-tuned. Heavily auto-tuned. So there are some good producers on here and there are some bad. So I've highlighted the good. Cara DeGuardi, who of course was responsible for most of Kelly Clarkson's hits. Yeah, yeah. Rob Cavallo, who was also responsible for a lot of... Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Really big hits in the 2000s, and then some douchebags, including Scott Storch and Dr. Luke. Well, I want to do a Scott Storch-focused episode because he's now broke. He is broke. He is now sober, which is good for Scott Storch. Well, yeah, he was doing so much cocaine. That'll, that'll dry up the funds. Over the next few years, she will go on to host and be the subject of several MTV reality shows, including Paris Hilton's My New BFF, which becomes a oh my God. ratings juggernaut for MTV, and then spawns a second season, as well as a British and a, a Dubai spinoff. Dubai. Oh, right. Yeah. She was doing very well for herself, and this is around the time she also released Honey and the Naughty. Where she oh, was, God. yet again, she was nominated for a Razzie for her performance. Um, and the movie did absolutely horribly. I believe it starred her and then Christine Lakin of yes. Step by Step fame. Yes. Who's on a show now that I want to watch with Jody Sweeten. And I believe um, there's like a third ex-child star on it. It's like on TV land and it's like just their lives as like former child stars. But like script, it's a scripted show. I've heard it's really funny. So I'll check that out at one point and come back with a report on it. <laughs> But she, over time, this is during also her merchandising fashion empire peaks. So Paris, over the years, after launching this lifestyle brand and having several collaborations that led to include the following. A handbag line with Samantha Tavasa, perfume, dog clothes, hair extensions. Dog clothes, I forgot about her dog clothes. And various other things. She, her perfume brand alone has brought in over $3 billion in revenue. Her and Britney Spears. I think perfume lines are sort of uh, an underrated market to they make money in. They are incredible. I, mean, I like, just don't understand how they're so fucking profitable. Well, and I wonder nowadays if it's still that kind of money. because But this is her like and Britney, pretty, no, her and Britney still make a right, lot right. of they money from still, their So I was scents. looking at the list. Like they, I mean, Paris has been continuously releasing fragrances for women and men up to now. Like she still does it every couple years. And I think Ariana Grande has one yeah, now. And does. that's she like pretty big. Yeah. I just don't understand this like in Teenagers. singer... Is it teenagers? I think it's Did you have a Britney Spears? No, but someone, a family friend of mine for my 18th birthday, his ex-girlfriend bought me Paris Hilton perfume. I, of course, being like me, was just like, what the hell is this? But it actually smelled really good, and my sister ended up using it a lot and just not telling anyone it was Paris Hilton because it smelled pretty good. That's the thing with all of those perfumes. Like, it's embarrassing to say who it is, but like... Some of them smell really good. Pheromones, man. They'll do work wonders. 
All right. Um, the, some of the names include, because of course in the Britney episode, I had to highlight a few of them, so I'll do that with Paris. Paris Hilton, obviously the OG. Just Me, Eris, Air, which I'm assuming is her men's fragrance. Can Can, Fairy Dust, Siren, Paris Hilton Passport, and Gold Rush. How was Air spelled? Was it A-I-R? Or no, was it no. Air? Like No, it's just it, like spelled correctly. H-E-I-R-E-S-S. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. But Air was just the sing. Oh, the, the masculine version? Yeah, so yeah. I and, see, and I air, see. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. An Air to a, yeah. Got it. Um, in addition to all the money that she has made in merchandising and fashion, and keep in mind, I had to skip through some of Paris Hilton's like career because there is just, there's so much. She did so many things. Paris as a DJ and a brand, Paris earns now over $10 million a year from all her business ventures. And this is incredible because in like 2008, 2009, her family donated like 97% of the Hilton fortune or something crazy like that to nonprofits. And so while she still had a lot of money to inherit still because it's Hilton money, she was not, you know, as huge of an heiress in terms of what she stood to inherit in her trust fund um, as she had been prior. And yet she makes this crazy money to this day. As of 2017, was she was getting paid about 300000 for each of her appearances at clubs and events. There are currently 50 Paris Hilton stores worldwide and 19 product lines, such as the handbags, watches, footwear, hair, and skincare. She started her DJ career in June 2012, where she made her debut as a DJ at a Brazilian pop music festival, Match. This attracted negative responses from Deadmau5, Samantha Ronson, and Afrojack, which, like, come on, Samantha Ronson. You were- yeah, and Deadmau5 can definitely go fuck himself. Like, that's... You know what? Fuck all of them. Since debuting as a DJ in 2012, she's been paid as much as $1 million for a set. And in 2014, she was established as the highest paid female DJ, according to Time Magazine. That's, I mean, I this is incredible. I think that's what I, I, I have come out in the last few years having so much respect for Paris Hilton. And, like, for example, her catchphrase, that's hot, she, of course has it registered as a trademark mark for products and in 2007 she filed an injunction lawsuit against hallmark cards because they unlawfully used her uh trademark and uh they ended up settling out of court and in 2007 paris filed an injunction lawsuit against hallmark cards incorporated and the court of appeals for the Ninth Circuit reviewed the case and denied Hallmark's motion to dismiss the fact that they had used her catchphrase as a parody for one of their cards. And so they settled out of court. How Taylor Swift of her. How Taylor Swift of her. But at least that's hot is a little bit more of a trademark than what was it? This sick beat. No, you know what? You're right. Those are about the same. Those are about the same. But. Paris actually won hers, whereas I don't think Taylor was able to actually trademark this. Yeah, and I would also say that That's Hot was definitely way more attributed to her in 2004 than it was to anything else. For sure, for sure. So I believe that the sisters, particularly Paris, go on to become the biggest example of a celebutante for the millennial generation. This term, celebutante, I found out, was first seen in 1939 in a society column where the word was used to describe a prominent society debutante named Brenda Fraser, who was a traditional high society debutante from a noted family. Her debut 
which was, you know, part of a debutante ball, attracted an unprecedented wave of media attention. The, the word then was appeared again in 1985 when Newsweek did an article on Club Kids and talked about specifically James St. James and Lisa Edelstein, who we will later know as Cody from House, among many other acting roles. But they referred to people then as being celebutants as well. Previous generations of heiresses, you know, of course, included like Gloria Vanderbilt and notoriously people like Patty Hearst. But I think this within our millennial generation was the first time we had seen someone relatively close to our age gain notoriety for becoming a famous heiress and being known for something other than just the money. Later, you know, parlaying that into a famous for being famous. In terms of Nikki's life, which is certainly less colorful, at 2.30 a.m. on August 15th, 2004, she would go on to marry her childhood friend and businessman Todd Meister at the Vegas Wedding Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Three months later, they annulled the marriage. Um, she also released a hand, line of handbags with Samantha Tavasa um, in 2004 and also launched a clothing line. And that's kind of been her mainstay over the years. She's had various lines, some that are higher end, some that are lower end. She's had done she's done collaborations with e-bags among other things. Um, and then she has gone on to, in 2015, marry James Rothschild of the famous Rothschild family, and they've since had two daughters. And that's pretty much Mickey Hilton's life in a nutshell. A little bit about Paris's personal life, because of course that was very notorious in the tabloids. Between 2008 and 2009, her home was, was robbed several times by the infamous bling ring. Um, it was not until nearly $2 million were stolen in jewelry, clothing, cash, and other items that she reported having been burgled. But later, she would actually allow Sofia Coppola to film the movie The Bling Ring in her house uh, where the burglaries had taken place. In terms of who she dated, she dated Edward Forlong, Rick Salomon, Nick Carter, and Nick said this horrible thing in his biography that she was the worst person in the world to for me to hook up with and that she fed my worst impulses as far as partying, which I hate to say to Nick Carter because I don't want to like hurt anyone who's going through problems, but I think he had these problems before Paris and would have these problems without Paris. But she was also later dating and was later engaged to Greek shipping heir, Paris Latsis, go Paris in Paris, and then later dated Stavros Niarchos, who is also a part of our old millennial cinematic universe, Benji Madden, Doug Reinhardt from The Hills, which I'd forgotten about, and several other people who just like are nobodies. She was most recently engaged to actor Chris Silka, but they called off their engagement in November of 2018. Most recently though, Paris was the subject of a really great documentary I highly recommend called The American Meme that's on Netflix. She talked about being one of the first influencers, and really she was. This was a pre-social media Instagram world, but she was the first person who was really famous for being famous in an online digital world. She, you know, in this documentary, I was really empathetic towards her because she was just really candid about how awful people were to her in the midst of all this stuff and like the horrible things people said about her online. And it's true. She dealt with so much scrutiny from Perez Hilton, among other bloggers and just various things. She was really in the midst of all of that. And ultimately, I think she's come out of this doing really well for herself, and I actually respect her for it. She is much smarter than what her gem blonde image gives appears to be. And honestly, without Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian doesn't have a career. 
And well, that, that wouldn't is... have been the worst thing ever. No, 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 no. And to be honest, I think I have more respect for Paris over Kim because I think I see what Paris has done in spite of all that. But I don't know. I mean, they're both about the same. I think what's interesting with Paris is she kind of did this herself. It wasn't really her mom pushing her, whereas, like, I also think that Chris, Paris is, it's not her entire family. It's no, just her. No, it's just her. And whereas with Kim, it's very, without Chris, we don't get Kim, for sure. Or Courtney, or Chloe, or, like, any of the, the rest of them. sisters, yeah. Jenner, what have you. Yes. That is what I have to say about the Hiltons. Yeah. Well, having media scrutiny in retrospect be very damaging to you and for you is a great segue into Tara Reid who def who I didn't know started as a child star but in retrospect definitely makes a ton of sense when you look at her career trajectory she began acting at the age of six and appeared in over a hundred commercials for ads such as Jell-O, McDonald's, Crayola, Milton Bradley. Her first role in a movie was Return to Salem's Lot. And then after that, she had an appearance on All My Children in Saved by the Bell, the new class. And then she started to transition into parts for teen movies. And she was had a small role in Cruel Intentions and also Urban Legend. Well, she had a bigger role in Urban Legend, but she had a small role in Cruel Intentions. She's um, Susie Kurtz, who plays the therapist's daughter, who Ryan, who Sebastian like has briefly dated. That makes sense because she's white and blonde, so yeah. that kind of all tracks. She's right at the beginning. She landed her breakout role in 1998's The Big Lebowski. The film disappointed at the box office and only grossed 17 million in the U.S. Really. Yeah, I know. I was really surprised by that. I thought that wow. it had done much better than it I had. Mean, it is a mainstay of every college guy's bedroom. But it's also because it has like a cult status now, yeah. which is why it feels like it should have made more money, but that's not really the reality of it. Even though Big Lebowski was technically her first big break, her real first big mainstream hit was playing Vicky in American Pie. Yeah. American Pie, which was released in 1999, grossed over $100 million in the U.S. The film was also her first to reach number one at the box office. In 2001, she reprised the role in American Pie 2, which opened to $45 million and grossed over $145 million in the U.S., almost 50% more than its predecessor. Tara Reid did not return for American Wedding in 2003, but did reprise her character in the fourth theatrical film, uh, American Reunion, in 2012. Around the same time as American Pie's success, she met Carson Daly during MTV's Spring Break special. They moved in together and later got engaged in, Oct- in October of 2000. She initially pushed back their April 2001 wedding date to accommodate shooting the boss's daughter with Ashton Kutcher, but then by the summer they had broken up. And he was in Josie and the Pussycats in a cameo role when they were dating. Right. That I mean, they shoot, they shoot these things before you break up, obviously, so you have yes. to relive the whole thing all over again. After American Pie 2's success, she was in a string of box office duds, whether they were critical or box office-wise. They did not do well. They didn't resonate. First up was Dr. T and the Women, which was the remake with Richard Gere, oh, which yeah. was fucking awful. Do I've not ever watch that. It. And continue to never see it. Just see the original. It has a 53% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't think it even did well numbers-wise anyway. Then she was in Josie and the Pussycats, which now, similar to Big Lebowski, has a lot more cult status. But at the time had sort of like a mixed bag of reviews and is currently at 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. And then she was in the OG Van Wilder, which is at a 19%. Some more credits around this time, she returned to the small screen as a reoccurring character on Scrubs, 
She was there for 11 episodes in the third season. And maybe she should have just married Carson Daly because my boss's daughter was not worth it. She was nominated that year both for Worst Supporting Actress Razzie and Worst Screen Couple at the 2004 Golden Raspberry Awards. Following her 2004 liposuction surgery, Tara, yep, who had to undergo reconstructive surgery for that same liposuction two years later, was left with a ton of scarring all over her stomach, which she would, which is obviously because of like the uneven abs that she wanted to have for a role in a movie that she didn't end up getting anyway, and she would later call that scarring her quote-unquote battle wounds. She had an infamous entire tit slip around this time in 2004 at yep. P. Diddy's birthday party, yep. where she had what I thought was like the most re- hilarious reaction to it was, I just can't get a break. It's like people expect this kind of stuff to happen to me. And it was kind of true. Like, she had tipped over from, like, girl next door that you want to be, that you want to be friends with if you're a chick or if you're a dude you want to, like, bang her. Like, that sort of, like, a vibe. And she had had covers where she was, like, supposed to be, like, a sexy girl next door. But around 2004, the tides were starting to turn on her. And it just started to feel like she really couldn't catch a break. Yeah. In 2005, she co-starred in an infamous movie from uh, Uwe Boll called Alone in the Dark where she would later become a meme on the oh, internet God, yeah. where she couldn't say Newfoundland. Oh, yeah, so it's Newfoundland, and she says Newfoundland. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. It was obviously panned by critics, and then she got another Razzie Award nomination for Worst Actress. Oh. But around this time... She was starting to earn an even more prominent party girl label, especially in the tablo- especially in the tabloids. And because of this, she would later star in what she would call the biggest mistake of her career, the e-travel show Teradice. Oh, God, yeah. I, too, had completely forgotten about Teradice, which was definitely like a slow-motion car wreck. Yep. It was great reality show programming, but obviously did do a lot of damage to her career because she was just obviously wasted throughout all of it. We're going to have to do an e reality episode. E and VH1 had yeah. some very questionable quote-unquote celeb reality shows yeah. going on at this time that yeah. was bonkers. But Teradice was originally intended to be a new season of E's long-running show Wild On. And Tara Reid was just supposed to be like the new host. But a week before the season began, E changed the title and re-edited it to kind of reflect more of like a reality show, like a trashy reality show narrative because it really wasn't quite fitting in with like the tone that everybody became accustomed to for Wild On and they just didn't want to take a hit to the brand, which honestly fair. They kind of made it more of like a travelogue meets reality show and Tara Reid visited destinations like Spain, Greece, Italy, France, Monaco, and she sampled local cuisines, a lot of nightclubs, and went shopping. The show was part of E's lineup with new episodes premiering on on Wednesday at 10 p.m. In September 2005, E announced that they were canceling the series due to production complications that arose from the shooting, i.e. Tara's out-of-control drinking. According to E! President Ted Harbert, the show is incredibly difficult to produce with someone so well-known. I feel like a lot of it was also anytime she would appear in Europe, which is where she's kind of a little bit more popular, she would get swarmed and papped and it would be difficult to shoot. And then people, because of her reputation, didn't want to allow her to shoot places. So being so well-known at the of her honestly infamy at this time yeah. made it difficult for her to have this show. But in 2008, Tara Reid decided to try and rid herself of her party girl image and she checked herself into rehab at Promises in Malibu. Obviously, if you were anybody 
even remotely a, a celebrity stature. People knew your name. You definitely went to Promises yeah. from 2005 to 2009 for Rehab. Lodge, yeah. yeah, but a lot of it was Promises. Uh, promises yeah. was like Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears. Yep. Um, a couple other famouses. They were all there around the same time. There were rumors that Tara Reid was given a free stay at the rehab center as part of like a paid promotional deal. But after some digging, of all places, fucking Fox News debunked these rumors. She emerged from the 60s. <laughs> 60- they're telling the truth in one thing. I mean, at least they got one thing right in 2008. <laughs> She emerged from the 60-day detox program, a new woman allegedly, and she agreed to an exclusive interview with InTouch where she claimed that going to rehab was the best decision she ever made. She has since been seen drinking. <laughs> a couple of interesting Tara facts because after her string of flop movies, she kind of just goes on to kind of take the Joan Crawford school of B-movie routes. But a couple of interesting things that I didn't know about Tara Reid that I've discovered along the way, especially in the peak of her stardom. In 2007, she had shares in three big restaurants, Bella, Geisha House in L.A., and The Shore, and then opened up Ketchup, a fast food restaurant in L.A. I don't know if it's still around. I highly doubt it. Tara Reid and an Ed Hardy designer, Christian Odegeger, they designed a com- they designed a clothing line together, which I think is disgusting and absolutely an insane 2009 sentence. She designed a line that they called Mantra, and it hit high-end department stores in 2009, which I, like, what a cursed timeline having, like, Ed yeah. Hardy be in, like, high-end stores at this point. Ooh. In 2014, under the same collaboration, they had a swimmer line, and then later they released shark by tara it was all clothes inspired by her star turn in the sci-fi original classic sharknado in 2016 this was just really funny she was supposed to be on marriage boot camp reality stars but then it turns out that she was faking her relationship with fellow actor dean may because she quote felt really bad for the guy and he had a lot of debts to pay and so she just thought that they could like fib and get on the show but they were kicked off oh god it's not the first relationship that she pretended to have. There were a couple of things in, like, her romantic life that I just really didn't want to get into because just the Carson Daly stuff was probably the most interesting because then she just started dating, like, a bunch of, like, rando, quote-unquote, entrepreneurs and people like that, and they were all, like, foreigners with, like, sketchy job titles. But I thought faking a relationship to get on a reality show was Italian chef kiss perfect. Yeah. She mostly stars in spoofs, obviously, between Sharknado and then uh, something called The Hangover Games, which I don't know her. She was also in a season recently of Celebrity Big Brother. But you can see Tara Reid pop up every now and again. She definitely is one of those people who, in retrospect, everybody realizes that the media kind of, like, beat up and treated unfairly. And she definitely had her career shortened by having this, like, party girl image and that coupled with, like, a bunch of bad, like, not bad movies, but, like, movies that, like, didn't make an impact and didn't really, like, push the needle of her career forward is kind of why she's in sci-fi movies now. But to be fair, the Sharknado franchise has done very well for itself. I think it's one of the highest rated things that sci-fi has ever I think had. it fell off at a certain point because I think after two, then it was just sort of, they even stopped trying to make sense even oh, yeah. a little bit. And I think that she like dipped out of like one or two of those, but then came back and they it's all wrapped up now. So I'm not quite sure what she's doing, but she like kind of bops around and I feel like she always kind of like finds work, but it's obviously never going to be on the same level as Vicky from American Pie in 1999. no. no. 
And I mean, the same goes, I think, for Shannon Elizabeth, which, who was one of the other breakout stars of the American Pie franchise. Shannon really only had a couple of years of like crazy acting where she was just everywhere. But I think on Shannon, for Shannon Elizabeth, it was more on her terms for sure than, say, Tara Reid. Yeah, Tara Reid definitely tried to keep her career going, even though, let's say, all the signs pointed to maybe not. Yeah, no, Shannon, with Shannon Elizabeth, it's kind of interesting. She was actress turned celebrity poker player because this is the mid-2000s. Why? So many celebrity poker players. And then later, you know, Animal Rescue uh, Organization founder. So very interesting turn of events in her career. But to give you a bit on Shannon Elizabeth, she was born Shannon Elizabeth Fadal. Her father is actually half Syrian, half Lebanese. And she graduated from Waco High School in the early 90s and was signed as a model early on. She had a few small roles in lesser-known B-films and some small roles and appearances on some TV shows. One of those included a direct-to-video horror film called Jack Frost, which was also released around the same time as the Michael Keaton plays a snowman that was right. CGI. I think in George Clooney's likeness because Clooney dropped out late in production and the team didn't have enough time or money to edit the snowman and featured it's on a, How Did This Get Made. It's a made. great How Did This Get Made it's episode. An and somebody one. accidentally watches the murderous yep. snowman one and we're With like, I, someone in. gets like murdered or like raped with like a, a, yeah. a sharpened carrot it would like sounded real fucked up and i've definitely seen it pop up on netflix a lot more than i care to admit yes yes that's uh so that's the other jack frost yikes her big big breakthrough though of course is when she was cast in the movie american pie in 1999 as nadia the czech porn exchange student jim played by jason biggs other like late 90s early 2000s mainstay tries to seduce in order to lose his virginity in a rather embarrassing scene after and also mind you a scene that would never get greenlit as half of american pie probably wouldn't and shannon elizabeth among the other actors has said yeah this wouldn't fly in 2019 because they celebrated the 20th anniversary this year after this, she will go on to play Buffy Gilmore in Scary Movie. She's clearly supposed to be the parody of Rose McGowan's character Tatum in the Scream movie. And that becomes a huge hit and is, I forget how much money that movie grosses, but enough to get spawned several sequels. She is then cast in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as Justice, the leader of a Diamond Heist group disguised as an animal rights activist group that Jay and Silent Bob befriend and Jay later falls in love with her. In this movie, they end up becoming the patsies for this group and a bunch of twists and turns happen. I don't feel like getting into the plot of Jay and Silent, Strike, uh, Silent Bob Strike Back, but that's that. She will later also be in the movie Tomcats and 13 Ghosts, and then we'll go on to reprise her 13 role. Ghosts! 13 Ghosts! Congratulations, you are the 13th Ghost. <laughs> she will also go on to reprise her role as Nadia in American Pie 2, and also as a cameo in Love Actually as one of the hot girls. She is Harriet, of course, the sexy one, as they call her. She had such a niche as, like, the hot girl who doesn't talk, really, unfortunately for her. Really, she no more than a handful or, like, five words of dialogue. I feel like she film. maybe spoke a thousand words total between all of her roles. Probably. Yeah. I, I mean, that's fairly accurate because in this movie, she literally shows up right at the end in the airport scene with Colin as his girlfriend. Uh-huh. And she's like, hi, I'm Harriet. And that's pretty much it. And then I'm he, hot. And she brings Denise Richards with her. Yes. To be his praise be. 
to bring it all back to the Real Housewives franchise. I know. She later marries Joseph D. Reitman from 2002 to 2005 when they split, but they still remain friends, and he currently manages her theatrical career. Um, and together, they actually founded this nonprofit, Animal Avengers, which is an organization for animal rights, um, and it's work that she continues to do the, to this day. She actually lives in South Africa. What? Uh, yeah, she lives in Cape Town. Like, currently? Yes, according to Wikipedia. Well, uh, not weird, but definitely not what I thought you were going to say. No, yeah, Because she know. doesn't have any ties to South but Africa. But I think it might, it's part of the animal rescue thing. Like, I think oh, she's doing oh, a lot oh. there. Because Kruger National Park, if I recall correctly, those of you who have been to South Africa, I'm sorry if I butcher this, but Kruger National Park is fairly near Cape Town. Okay. Apart from the American Pie film American Reunion and the Jane Silent Bob reboot film that's being released later this year, Shannon Elizabeth hasn't really been in many notable films. Her career was very much kind of 1999 to 2003-4-ish. After this, her focus has really been the nonprofit that she started with her ex and her poker career because, of course, she's the celeb poker player. So fucking weird she and played, random. Yep. She played in a lot of tournaments, and I bet you that's probably helped fund her nonprofit, which is you know what at least she's using a douchebaggy habit or hobby for good it's just a really odd career turn for anybody and it's always one of those things where you're like how do you end up becoming a professional poker player it's it's it baffles the mind but she played in several tournaments from 2004 to 2013 was she in molly's game um, no. Is she no Molly's women. game? She is not Molly's game. Molly Bloom was a real person. No, I know. I'm just but being a dick. Isn't Toby Maguire the Michael Sarah? Like, it's been proven that, like, the Michael Sarah character, I think, in that is, in fact, Toby Maguire. Like, who was the dick. Right. Like, him and Ben Affleck. I wonder yeah. if she was a part of those poker circles. But I wonder. I find celebrity poker to just be such a... An, a bizarre niche for it's an actor to get niche. into. But she actually played in the 2005 World Series of Poker, and she beat out, um, she was also in a special tournament opening the celebrating the opening of the new poker room at Caesars Palace in, in 2006, and beat out 83 celebrities and poker professionals to win $55,000, so good for her. She's you go save those animals with that money. That's right. And so she started that nonprofit in 2001, and she's still running it to this day. She's also served as a spokesperson for Farm Sanctuary's Adopted Turkey program. And she also uses her social media, particularly Instagram posts, to raise awareness around rhino poaching in the, at the Poached Rhino Fundraiser. And that's pretty much Shannon Elizabeth, who has not been very famous in the last few years. But you know what? good for her she's, she's been okay. she's been keeping busy exactly and someone's gotta take care of rhino poaching and i'm glad it's her yeah as I, long as she's happy yep well we're gonna do a lightning round yes. of uk import it girls yep. i will go first quickly with a sort of now staple of the show misha barton oh yeah from a barfing ghost in the Sixth Sense, spoiler for the Sixth Sense, to a supporting character slash voice of reason on the semi-failed reboot of The Hills, it's 2003's Entertainment Weekly it girl, Misha Barton. Born in London, her father's work took the family to New York when she was five years old, and she, star- she started her acting career in off-Broadway plays and then made her way into film, having supporting minor but memorable roles in The Sixth Sense, as I just said, and Notting Hill. 
She will go on to replace Michelle Trachtenberg in All My Children, which is another connection because that's where Tara Reid started her career. And I feel like a lot of it girls, like, you could even go to, like, a Sarah Michelle Gellar if you want to go, like, earlier, that yeah. start in, like, New York soap scene, which mm-hmm. I think, or, like, Elisa Rinna, like, again, to tie it into Housewives. They all start in this, like, New York soap scene that I think recycles a lot of the same actors that kind of eventually will get launched into uh, socialite circles. She started to act in indie movies like Lost and Delirious and Tart. In August of 2003, Fox premiered the television series The O.C., launching her career as Marissa Cooper. Due to its overnight success and large fan base, Misha Barton's star began to rise. During her time on the show, Misha Barton garnered several Teen Choice Awards. She was also celebrated by Glamour as, as the next big thing. She was named an It Girl. She also got a, awarded a bunch of style awards from magazines. When her character was killed off in the third season, during the finale in May of 2006, the ratings immediately, well, not immediately, but the ratings dropped dramatically during the fourth season, and the OC eventually ended in early 2007. During the time of the OC and transitioning away... She was also playing the part of love interest in music videos for people like James Blunt in Goodbye My Lover and Enrique Iglesias in Addicted. And like any good it girl of her time, Misha Barton modeled for companies like Calvin Klein, BB, Aeropostale, Dooney and Burke, and she was a Neutrogena skincare spokesperson as well as a Keds sneakers spokesperson. She dated noted scumbag and oil heir again, ding, 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 it girl bingo, Brandon Davies. So greasy. Like, Why were there so many oil heirs around this time? But, like, he even looked greasy. Like, it looked like he had spent a ton of time. He looked like an oil heir in the he sense did. that he looked like he was dipped in oil. Yes. They dated for a year in 2004 to 2005. He will become famous for saying that Lindsay Lohan is a fire crotch. He also made a bunch of disparaging remarks about a, a bunch of his girlfriends or ex-girlfriends that are way out of his league by calling them fat and other fucking names because he's a piece of shit. Around this time, Misha Barton was also hanging out with Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, Lindsay Lohan. They were all stumbling out of clubs and getting photographed on Robertson Boulevard holding small dogs. One time... I was showing foreign cousins around Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica, and we walked into a pap crowd surrounding Misha Barton, and none of my cousins were impressed because the OC hadn't hit yet in France. In her post-OC life, she went back to the UK for a bit in 2006 and took a break from the spotlight. She appeared in stuff that nobody saw, like Virgin Territory with Hayden Christensen and Richard Attenborough's war drama Closing the Ring. In 2007... Barton was cast in the international film produced by the Russian band Tattoo called You and I. The film premiered in the Cannes Film Festival in May of 2008, but it wasn't released theatrically until 2011, but only in Russia, which I remember when this movie got announced and it was like this huge deal and everyone was like, oh my God, it's going to be like this really great, horrible cult film where she's going to be like one of like these like lesbian sisters from Tattoo and it's going to be so iconic. And then no one ever heard about it ever again. But then I found out tonight that it was only released in Russia in 2011. So that explains a lot. I'm sure that we could find it on like a pirate bay or something, but hilarious slash fascinating. Wow. In 2008, she was arrested and eventually charged with misdemeanors after police found that she had possessed a little bit of marijuana and a higher than legal blood alcohol level during a routine traffic stop in West Hollywood. I mean, she was one of many during this time. It was sort of a reflection of the group that she was in who also 
had similar infractions like Paris Hilton, who would later go on to serve like an iconic like seven hours in yep. jail. Lindsay Lohan as well. So it all was of a piece of the it girls of our times here. She would later go on to tell Ryan Seacrest that she was really disappointed in herself over the arrest. And around the same time, unflattering photos were sold of her and negative paparazzi attention started to swarm again. And it really started to get to her. She also would go on to be a victim of revenge porn. So she also has that kind of in common with Paris Hilton, although her revenge porn case kind of happened a little bit more recently in like the last handful of years, I believe. Yeah. She starred on the short-lived Ashton Kutcher-produced drama series about models called The Beautiful Life on the CW. Oh, right. I remember that show. Her role as the supermodel Sonia Stone was short-lived, but everybody is now calling for that show to be rebooted, but it was canceled after two episodes due to poor ratings. Before getting on The Hill's New Beginning this year, she was also most notably on Dancing with the Stars in 2016. And that's sort of like Misha Barton in a nutshell. It's like you're an it girl and depending on what path you end up choosing or what shit gets thrown at you, you might just end up on Dancing, in the, Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think. It, and then later shilling Crest White Strips on the hills. I think in my, yes, in my case, Sienna Miller has had a much less exciting, not exciting, that's a bad word, but she just had a less kind of tumultuous and to her career, I think, I think with her, it's been interesting because she be, she gained notoriety because of some bad things that happened, but ultimately has come out as like a really notable actress who's actually very good at acting and has done very well for herself since. But she became somewhat famous initially for being an actress in, um, much like Misha Barton, she is American and British, so she kind of did, she went back and forth a little bit as well. She was famous initially for acting in um, Alfie. That's pretty much it. She had done a few other things, including the movie South Kensington. But what she becomes really famous for is, of course, dating Jude Law. And she is Jude Law for a while and, in fact, get engaged. He later apologizes to her because, turns out, he was having an affair with the kid's nanny. So in this scenario, Sienna Miller is the Baroness from The Sound of Music and Jude Law is Captain Von Trapp. Um, because, let's be honest, as much as I love The Sound of Music, it is a nanny fantasy. Later, she will go on to infamously have an affair with actor Balthazar Getty. And, of course, he is of the Getty family because that's another one with our It Girl Bingo that you have to be dating an heir. It was a very highly publicized affair. In fact, she would go on to sue British tabloids over the publication of these photos showing the two of them together. Later, she would end up acting, uh, she would get back together with Jude Law for a bit and later had a relationship with actor Tom Sturridge and had a daughter with him. In terms of her fashion style and why I think Sienna Miller is notable is in a world of juicy couture, labelist obsessed chic of the mid-2000s, Sienna Miller was a part of that boho chic trend and was one of the trendsetters there that was also big with the Olsen twins and later Nicole Richie after she and Paris Hilton had a falling out. She will later become known for doing more kind of well-known acting including American Sniper, Black Mass, and Foxcatcher. She is later nominated for a BAFTA and a Golden Globe for her role as Tippi Hedren, another it girl of her time, in the television film The, the Girl. And that is all I really have to say about Sienna Miller. Yeah, I was surprised she got like a bunch of press recently because she got a role where she wasn't somebody's wife. And then it prompted me to remember that, wow, yeah, she's always kind of like been someone's girlfriend, whether it be in a movie or in real life. Yeah. 
Oh, well. Well, you know, it sounds like at least she kept working at some point. Yeah. And it's not as tragic as some of the other actresses that I had to dive into. So there, there you go, Sienna Miller. There you go, Sienna Miller. Well, thanks for listening to our episode. You can find us on the social medias. We are at The Old Millennials Pod on Instagram. And on Facebook. And you can find us individually on Twitter. I am at Marge, she wrote. And I'm at Emily Abijan. And you can like, subscribe to us. We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. And if you really, really, really like us, we appreciate any ratings and comments. Those reviews really help us out. So go ahead and put it on there. And until next time, bye. Bye.